1: Do you struggle to live a lifestyle of worship in a culture that promotes a lifestyle of self, to lift up Christ in a world that tears him down? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah offers a biblical prescription to help you stay focused on a lifestyle of worship and a practical plan for living it out. From My Heart's Desire, here's David with the conclusion of Worship at Home and on the Road. And thank you so much for joining us as we continue
0: our uh, discussion of worship. Uh, It's under the title of My Heart's Desire, because that's the name of the book that I wrote, uh, from which this series originates. That book is available from davidjeremiah.org, but it's not the resource of the month here in September. That um, honor goes to the calendar, Moving Mountains. It's a 2023 Turning Point Calendar that we make available during the month of September because it actually begins uh, with the month of November. It's a 14-month calendar. And uh, when we send it out in September, you get it just in time to start entering in all of your events and dates for the holiday season. Then you have it for the whole year. We have done that uh, to Try to get a step ahead of the craziness in the mail delivery system. and Make sure you get the calendar in plenty of time. Here's how you can get your copy. This is what we want to send you when you send a gift of any size to Turning Point during this month to help us with the cost of airtime and production. When you send your gift, just say to us, send me the calendar. And we'll do it. It'll be on its way to you right away, and I know you're going to love it. It's beautiful. Uh, It's a wonderful uh, photographic presentation of the mountains that speak of the majesty of God. Well, on Friday, we talked about worship at home and on the road, and we were talking about how worship is not confined to a specific place. You don't just get to worship in church on Sunday. That's not the only opportunity. Today we're gonna finish that up and I hope you'll join us as we open our Bibles together and study the Word of God. We've got two metaphors. We are the house in which God lives. Our body is the temple where the Spirit of God lives. But there's one third metaphor that I've never really heard of or seen in this particular category. Your body is a house your body is a temple and for all of you who are campers this will delight you your body is a tent did you know that your body is a tent you say Pastor Jeremiah where did you dream that up well I didn't dream it up I read it in the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 Paul who by the way was a tent maker <laughs> Paul speaks of the body as an earthly tent here's what he says in second corinthians 5 verses 1 and 4 for we know that if our earthly house this tent is destroyed we have a building from god and then in verse 4 he says for we who are in this tent groan, being burdened he's using a tent as an illustration of our body peter picks up the same analogy over in second peter chapter 1 he says yes i think it is right as long as i am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. What is he saying? He's saying his body is a tent. It's like a tent. Now what's the difference between a tent and a temple and a house? Well, a house and a temple are somewhat permanent. A tent is anything but that. A tent is what you use when you're going to move from one place to the other. The Israelites used tents when they camped in the wilderness for all those years. In fact, one of the tents in the Israelite congregation served as a temple. In that tent was enshrined the Ark of the Covenant, which was the personal representation of the presence of God. And they moved their tent temple from place to place as they journeyed across the wilderness. And I think what Paul is saying to us by using that term in his writings, is that you and I are not just a house where God lives, a temple where the Spirit lives, but we are a tent on the move, and God's presence is with us. We are really people of God who move about in society, and wherever we go, we take God with us. We are temples on wheels, if you will. (laughs) And what God wants to communicate to us about worship men and women is we have to take the show on the road. We can't lock it in on Sunday morning and walk away from it and then go out and act as if he doesn't live within us because wherever we go in these tents of hours, he goes with us. And it's up to us to develop a lifestyle of worship so that we can glorify God in our bodies and in our spirits, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 6.20. It's not enough for us to be simply worshipers on Sunday morning. God wants us to take worship wherever we go worship is not an act or an experience it's a lifestyle have you ever noticed how many times in paul's letters he uses the word always he always uses the word always (laughs) giving thanks always for all things to god the father ephesians 5 20 ephesians 6 18 praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 and 17, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Paul uses the phrase without ceasing on five separate occasions in regard to praying for others remembering others thanking God and praying in general and while we put all these references together his picture of the Christian life is one of unbroken prayer worship and communion wherever we go you say well Pastor Jeremiah you just lost me because I can't live that way and you know it's easy for us to stop for a moment and think We can't live that way. He's not talking about us walking around mouthing mantras. He's not asking us to walk around with our eyes upturned, looking holy. He's not telling us to screw our halos down tight on our heads so everybody will know who we are. He's saying that if you truly have a lifestyle of worship, it affects everything you do, everywhere you go, just as the tent moving across the ground. We love Munger's analogy because it's comforting and warm. Jesus is our best friend living in our house. We're also concerned with worshiping him, and so the temple thing is really special. But God is not interested in us simply being static in our worship, He wants us to be dynamic. He wants us to carry the presence of Jesus wherever we go. I told you some time ago that. I was invited to talk at the Scripps Clinic with a rabbi who had lymphoma the same time I did, and we were each to give our story of cancer and then how it affected our faith. And it was quite an interesting experience because while we were both from religious circles, our approach to it was so diametrically polarized that it was like, it was, it was just really interesting. And I have to tell you, I didn't, had no idea what was gonna happen that night. And I was nervous. I really was nervous. I had this picture in my mind that I was going to be the lone Christian in this situation. And I was going to walk into this environment, and these guys were just all going to be out there ready to get me. So on the way over, Donna was in the car with me, and we were praying. And I want to encourage you that I had my eyes open when I was praying. We were driving to the hospital. And I don't remember ever praying this before. I don't know where it came from, but it was certainly the prayer of my heart. Oh, God somehow help us to bring the presence of Jesus into this situation we're going to. That's what I prayed. That's all I could think to pray. But you know what? Isn't that what we ought to pray every day, wherever we go? Where you work, what you do, what God has called you. You say, oh, I work in the most ungodly circumstance. Well, then all the more, bring the presence of Jesus into that circumstance. You say well pastor how can i do that i don't understand i want to just take a moment and say a couple of things to you but first let me remind you this is a very good principle there's a story from the second world war so many things were in short supply back then and england was needing silver for some of their defense projects winston churchill asked if there was any other source of silver that they hadn't already used up he was told that there was one source of silver they hadn't thought of in the churches and the cathedrals there were some old statutes of Saints that had been cast in silver and Churchill with a smile on his face said it's time to put the Saints back in circulation (laughs) and they melted down the Saints and used it for their source of silver that's the idea we're Saints were never meant to be restricted to one roof if you begin to see yourself like a saint in circulation You'll get the concept that we're talking about you say well pastor jeremiah if i acted like a temple in my office if i walked around praising the name of jesus rattling my bible telling everyone i was going to pray for them i would be out of there in about five minutes so i want to just take a couple of minutes and tell you what i am not talking about here because i really believe that satan has sold us a bill of goods That has kept many of us from being able to serve God in our environments, being able to bring the presence of Jesus into the place where we live. So let me just say three things, and these aren't alliterated, and I just want to say them so that I can get them off of my heart and help you as you think about this. First, please avoid using the mental picture of a religious fanatic. This is not in this picture at all. Who do you think puts the negative thoughts in your minds the negative pictures in your mind when you try to envision being a committed christian where do you think that comes from here's a hint he's the only one who trembles at the very thought of you living a passionate worshipful life of service to almighty god he wants to do anything possible to keep you from taking your faith seriously so instead of thinking of an unattractive and unappealing fanatic Think of a Christian leader that you truly admire. If possible, take Christ with you into the marketplace, anywhere you go, and you don't have to be pious or offensive. You just have to be who you are and let Christ work through your presence. Secondly, think of what God would likely do through you in relation to other people. For example, Would he be eager for you to walk into a crowd and begin spouting religious rhetoric, antagonizing people and driving them away? Do you think that's what God would want? (laughs) Or would he empower you, rather, to be available to people as needs became apparent to you? Would he empower you to have such a presence about you that when people were going through difficulty and distress, they would seek you out and say, I notice something different about you. I'm going through some tough stuff right now. Can you help me? That's where it's all at. You see, that's what I think this is all about. Take the presence of Jesus with you wherever you go, and God will open the doors for you to have a witness. You don't have to go in and jam your faith down somebody's throat, but you do have to take the presence of Jesus with you wherever you go, and God will open the doors. Can I get a witness? He will do that. He will do that. The last thing I want to say to you is we kind of drive this thing to its conclusion is that you have to get rid of the idea that your life would become burdensome and joyless if you ever lived out your faith. I don't know where that came from. Well, yes, I do. From the same place that the other stuff came from. I hear people say, well, you know, I'm going to live for the Lord someday, but I got my wild oats to sow. I got to have some fun first. And I'm going to think, man, why would you delay the most exciting thing in the world for anything? Everybody thinks, well, if you serve the Lord, it's going to be, oh, you know, just serving the Lord. You know, it's going to be so hard. I want to tell you something. If you get your radar locked in to where God wants you to go and you start living your life in the center of his will, you will never have more fun in your whole life than you will have serving God. That's the truth. He's your creator. He's your maker. He knows what's best for you. And he desires for you to be fulfilled and happy. And the christian life is a fulfilling joyful adventuresome walk with god following his direction so good to know where you're going i'll tell you what there's no adventure in being lost did you know that i've been there so many times it is not exciting it is not adventuresome but when you know where you're going oh man it's great and god has locked you in he knows exactly what he wants you to do When you get involved in serving Him, worshiping Him as a lifestyle, it is the most fulfilling kind of living you will ever know on this earth. I promise. I promise. We say, Pastor Jeremiah, that's a great prescription, but I want to know, can I do something to get this going? How do I get this fired up in my life? And so let me just give you quickly four things. I'm going to talk about them very briefly, and we're done. How do I get involved in a program of everyday worship with God? First of all, everyday worship starts in solitude. Worship is an everyday lifestyle It begins in the simplest moment of your life. I've been thinking about it a lot like this lately. When I spend time with God in the morning, it's like centering my life. My life gets out of whack sometimes. So many things swirling around me all the time things in the college, things in the school district, things at turning point, things in the church, things in books, things in the, you know, and all of a sudden you just, but when you get with the Lord in the morning and you spend that time and you get his word in your heart and you begin to pray, it's like you're centering your life in God. And all of this extraneous stuff seems to kind of just fall in place. Why wouldn't you want to do that? That's where it starts. You can't take the presence of Christ into a situation if the presence of Christ isn't real in your own life. So you need some solitude. You need to be alone. You may not be ready to do an hour or a half hour, but you can take 15 minutes or 10 minutes or even five minutes. Get alone with God. Get the Word of God. Get a devotional guide. Spend some time in the Word and center your life in Him. That's where it starts. You cannot be in public what you aren't. first of all, in private. I believe it's possible to do that. I don't think there's anyone who cannot do it. I personally believe the morning's the best time because it gives you the day. Maybe you can do it at night just before you go to bed and then get up and follow through on the things that God tells you. But you know, it's an interesting thing when you center on the Lord and you read a scripture. It's inevitable, to me at least, it seems so interesting that before the day is over, something will happen in your life where you needed that very word you got from God that morning, You may not understand what it's all about when you're reading it, but you walk through your life. Your tent moves along, and you settle down for a moment, and all of a sudden, something happens. And the Word from God is just what you needed. So, everyday worship in solitude. Secondly, everyday worship in service. My, I'm going to wear this out, but I want to just say it again. You can't really worship God without serving God. Service is an expression of your worship. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, I come to church and I study and I listen and I pray, but I am not involved in serving the Lord. Well, you are incomplete as a person until you begin to serve. You'll never know the joy God wants you to know unless you get involved in serving others. That's what it's all about. That's what he's all about. He loved the world so that he gave his only son. He came to teach us how to live godly. And when you live godly, you serve. And there's really no excuse for any of us not being involved in some measure of service when you serve God you begin to understand worship Paul understood this he wrote in Romans 15 he said that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles ministering the gospel of God that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable sanctified by the Holy Spirit Paul saw his service in terms of worship and we should do the same thirdly everyday worship and struggles. This may be a real stretch for some of you, but I believe that some of the greatest worship we ever know is ours when we're going through tough times. I think that a lot of times when we worship God in good times, it's a reflection of what he's done for us instead of who he is. But when we go through tough times and we center ourselves in God, we begin to worship God, it's a wonderful thing that he does. Once again, let me just tell you what C.S. Lewis said about this. In Screwtape Letters, one of his writings, he wrote that when all is in turmoil and when everything has gone wrong and we feel spiritually dry, when we can't even feel God's presence, yet we still bow before him and we're still obedient and prayerful, that's the time, said Lewis, when I think God is most pleased with us. (laughs) When there aren't any things out there that say, okay, because God did this for me, I will worship him when you can't see through the darkness, when your life seems all confused, when you've lost your way and you don't know what to do and you don't understand what God's doing in your life and yet you still bow before him and you still worship him, Lewis says that's when God is most pleased with us. Maybe there's a quality of worship that comes into our lives when we go through struggles that we could never know if God didn't allow them in our lives. Worshiping every day through your struggles You say I'm in a terrible situation right now where I work you know what worship him anyway worship God because while everything where you work is all changing and messed up he's not and he's the one thing that can hold you stable in the midst of it all finally I'm kind of overwhelmed with this because I really believe that it is a core truth about worship that we have locked into the Old Testament and because of that we've lost its truth and that is everyday worship In sacrifice, sacrifice. The Bible talks about the sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of our lips. Talks about the sacrifice of giving the things we give to God. Talks about the sacrifice of presenting our bodies, giving up everything to the Lord. And you see, most of us in our culture today are okay with being Christians and we'll serve God if it isn't too inconvenient. We want to do something for God, but i'm coming to the conclusion that service and worship that doesn't involve sacrifice is missing the point you say well i would like to teach the children in our sunday school but pastor jeremiah i just love my adult sunday school class Hmm. did you ever think about the fact that god might want you to sacrifice something that ministers to you so that you can minister to someone else Many of us have been in adult Sunday school all of our lives, and I'm not trying to depopulate Bible fellowships. I'm not trying to do that. I'm just simply saying that I think there comes a time when we've been blessed and we've been ministered to and we're encouraged that maybe God is going to put his hand on our shoulder and say, now, as you have been blessed, it's time for you to go and bless someone else. And you might have to sacrifice something that really means something to you in order to do it. Some of you say, well, you know, I'd serve in the nursery, but I'd miss the morning service. Maybe God wants you to give some of that up so that you can serve. You see, David was the one who said, I am not going to give to God anything that costs me nothing. We're all willing to give God something as long as it doesn't cost anything. But I'm coming to the conclusion that worship, really true, godly, biblical worship, means I have to say no to something that I want So that i can serve god and in the process of doing that you will get back 10 times more than you ever gave up in the joy that comes to your heart as you see god work through your life somebody told me a long time ago if you want to learn the bible be a preacher you'll have to study If you want to learn the bible commit yourself to go teach some kids and you'll be in the book more than you ever were before and after the first question and answer time you will be so motivated you have never studied the bible like you will study the bible when those little ones put their hand up and ask you a question you probably should know but you don't and the next week you will be in the concordances and you'll be calling pastors and you will be growing in your faith do you understand that what we're learning is that worship while it might be expressed on Sunday mornings through our worship, is far more dynamic than that. Worship is our whole life. We come to church simply as a group of worshipers, and we come, and for a few moments, we share the joy of worshiping the Lord. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. The rest of it is who you are when you take the presence of Jesus and worship becomes a lifestyle. Amen. Well, there's worship in church, that's for sure. And there's worship in very special settings that have been prepared for worship. But there's worship every day. And if you serve the Lord with all your heart, whatever it is that you do is an act of worship toward Him. And uh, we're learning that together. There's a time in the future when worship will be like never before. Uh, The book of Revelation tells us about the worship in heaven. And for the next three days, we're going to be talking about worship in eternity and worshiping the Lamb, specifically the fourth and fifth chapters of the book of Revelation, which give us some of the lyrics of the worship that will happen around the throne. I hope you'll be with us for those special days of talking about eternal worship that's yet ahead. If you haven't already done so, I hope you'll get a copy of the book, um, My Heart's Desire, which is available from davidjeremiah.org, and then be sure to ask for your copy of the calendar, Moving Mountains, when you send your gift to Turning Point during the month of September. We're also touting a new book that comes out in October called The World of the End, and it's now available through the 3rd of October for a special add-on that you can receive when you order the book. The pre-order includes Be the Answer bookmark, the A to Z Guide to Prophecy, 36 terms to help you understand prophecy, five prayers for living in uncertain times. All of this is added to the book when you order it ahead of time. Well, that's a lot to remember, a lot to take care of, but uh, we'll come back tomorrow and pick up the rest of it. Thanks for listening.
1: Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church, where Dr. David Jeremiah serves as senior pastor. Let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by writing to us at Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098 Delta B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2023, Moving Mountains, and spend each day encouraged. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, My Heart's Desire, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you've been blessed by the ministry of Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point, we would love to offer you two free ways to stay connected. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca magazine for a subscription to our monthly Turning Points magazine. Each exclusive issue is filled with encouraging articles and daily devotionals to strengthen your spiritual walk. You can also sign up to receive our daily email devotional and be a part of our community of friends who receive daily encouragement delivered straight to their inbox from Dr. Jeremiah. Written in a thought-provoking manner, this concise yet profound daily devotional delivers the refreshment and focus you need as you go about in today's world you can join the more than 600,000 monthly subscribers who are building their faith each month through these free resources. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca.
0: Robert Murray McChain was a 19th century Scottish pastor who died at the age of 29. For such a young man, he possessed deep spiritual insight. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room, he wrote, I would not fear a million enemies, yet the distance makes no difference. He is praying for me. Christ is in heaven praying for us, but he also prayed for us when he was on earth. His ministry of intercession for us goes on in any case. If you belong to him, he is interceding for you now. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God the Father answers the prayers of God the Son on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.